Hello and welcome to another episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. This is John Jantz and my guest today is Carmine Gallo. He is a communications coach, a popular keynote speaker, writes a column for Forbes.com, author of seven books, including one we are going to talk about today, Talk Like TED, that's T-E-D, the nine public speaking secrets of the world's top minds. So Carmine, thanks for joining me. John, thank you. Thanks for having me. I've got a funny TED story before we talk. Um, as you and I talked about and I've shared with my listeners, I did a TEDx talk in Kansas City about a year and a half ago, and I was walking through, um, um, about three days later, I was walking through a movie theater lobby, uh, going to a movie with my wife, and a person came across the room and pointed at me and said, Ted. And I was like, no, my name's John. <laughs> and then it dawned on me. It's like, oh, you mean the TED Talk. So uh, you, universally popular, but uh, you, you got to be paying attention. John, that is a perfect segue into uh, one of the reasons why I wrote this book. And, and I think all of your listeners need to understand this is that like it or not, you are being compared to TED. Uh, You are being compared to a TED Talk because it is so prevalent. Two million views every day of TED Talks from TED.com or from mobile devices that people understand now that there is a new and fresh and inspiring way of giving a presentation. So that's that's the new gold standard now. Yeah, and you know what's really cool um, is uh, a, a lot of I, I have twenty-something-year-old daughters, and of course they have uh, their friends in that same age group. And it, it's pretty funny how excited that age group. I mean, I, I've had my own business for years, and it's like, yeah, whatever, whatever, whatever. And then they find out I did a TED talk, and that age group is like, oh, that is so cool. Uh, <laughs> so cool. <laughs> I've, yeah. I've seen your TED Talk. It was a TEDx Talk, TEDx Kansas City. Yes, that's I right. believe, yeah. yeah. I watched the TED Talk. It was about five minutes long. And uh, the, can you pick out the one thing that you did that most people who deliver PowerPoints do not do? What is the one thing that made your PowerPoint completely different than the vast majority of PowerPoints? Well, I, I intentionally didn't have any words on the slides. You got it. You got it. You got it. That's right. It, it, that, that is a in, in the academic literature now. It's called picture superiority. Yeah. So simply put, when you deliver information verbally, people remember about ten percent. Add a picture, and a retention source is sixty-five percent. When you watch TED talks now, you will not see any slides with bullets. And you like text and bullets, text and bullets. Not to say that text uh, can no longer be on slides. Absolutely not. But there needs to be a balance between images, pictures, and text, like you did in yours. Yeah, and one of the things that I've, all the literature I've read, and I, and I personally believe this, whether you're just trying to convince yourself, <laughs> you know, not not even an audience, is that when you feel something, uh, it really hits much deeper. And I think that that's what the, the pictures, uh, along with the spoken word, really give you that, that advantage to drive something deep into to people feeling it. Um, and I think that probably has something to do with the retention. Uh, one quarter of my book is all on emotion. Uh, you know, people forget that in order for ideas to spread, whether you're giving a TED talk or you're pitching yourself for an idea uh, or, or just a, in a job interview situation, people forget that you have to go beyond the talking points. You have to go beyond the statistics and the numbers. 
uh, that reinforce your point. And you have to connect with people emotionally. Aristotle knew this 2,500 years ago. He talked about in order for persuasion to happen, pathos must, must occur, stories, emotion. Uh, we've completely forgotten about that in, in business today. And so when people, people do need to be reminded that it's storytelling and emotional connection uh, that ultimately leads people to action. You know, and I speak to a lot of small business owners, and, and I think at least in three of my books, I have extolled the virtues of getting to a podium and making that a, a, a big part of what you do along with writing. And a lot of business owners will say, well, you know, I, I don't want to do a TED Talk. I, you know, I don't want to be a paid speaker. Why, why do I need to pay attention to this stuff? Yeah, and many of us may never give a TED Talk. Uh, the, the, the national... Uh, annual TED conference, uh, typically, if your name is not Bill Gates or you're not curing malaria in third world countries, you know, it's kind of hard to be invited to a TED talk. Um, but, and a few business professionals like yourself have given TED talks. So I don't think the point is to give a TED talk, uh, but you really do need to uh, be, be more visible as a marketer or a business owner, and give TED-worthy presentations. TED Talks are all limited to 18 minutes. It's a wonderful, uh, it's a wonderful amount of time, and it's a great model to emulate because people are, are very accustomed now uh, to, that, to that time frame and to that style of presentation. So uh, there's a lot of uh, TED-style talks. Uh, everywhere in America today, whether they're called TED or they're called something different, but it's still emulating the TED style. Well, and 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 I contend, of course, that if you know, selling involves uh, persuasion, uh, getting people to do what you want, on you know, in the in the job, uh, building a culture. I mean, all those things that that maybe you think, oh well, I'm just talking or I'm just being me or I'm just. I mean, we're convincing people and and trying to persuade people or or at least try to communicate our point of view. Uh, probably every single day and and I'd suggest that what you're giving people is a whole better a, a much better tool set to do that a better tool set uh, to pitch yourself I like to say that you can have great ideas you can have revolutionary ideas but if you cannot move me to action then those ideas don't matter very much uh, Warren Buffett, the billionaire Warren Buffett, had a, had a wonderful uh, statement once. It was actually it's on YouTube. It's a small clip where he was speaking to a class of business students, and he said, "I will give any of you in this room uh, one hundred thousand dollars today for ten percent of your future earnings. If you're a good public speaker, I'll give you one hundred fifty thousand dollars." <laughs> and he meant it. He said communication skills are that important. What's interesting about Warren Buffett and other people who I've, I've actually uh, analyzed is that they were terrified of public speaking. Warren Buffett publicly has said, I was terrified of public speaking. He signed up for a Dale Carnegie course and dropped out because he, he was too afraid to get in front of a group. Uh, so most people do have stage fright. Most people don't have confidence in themselves as speakers. And so you, you do need the tools. Uh, and and the, the method to try to get past that because it's so important that you express your ideas persuasively. Well, one of the things I find fascinating is if you look at, um, and again, we, we don't have to keep focusing on TED Talks. I mean, we're talking about what makes a good talk in general. Um, but the when you look at the roster of people that go through over the years, uh, the, the TED Talks, some of them certainly fit that 
stereotypical, inspiring, storytelling, just really practiced and polished speaker mode. I mean, they, they, they just do. You, you see that all the time. But then you see people that are scientists and, 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 you know, downright awkward people in some fashion. In, in, again, in comparison to that stereotypical, what we think of as a speaker, but yet their message is still every bit or, or maybe even in some cases more powerful. And, and I wonder if, if you can tell me what you think is behind that. I think they've tapped into the technique that we just talked about, which is connecting with people emotionally. And I'll give you a very, I'll give you a couple of good examples of that. Well, a woman uh, who is a Harvard brain researcher, her name is Dr. Jill Bolte Taylor. Dr. Yeah. Jill Taylor. She's actually been on Oprah. Now, the she's reason, the one, is she the one that carried out a, a live human brain? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <Yeah. laughs> oh, did I just ruin your story? I'm sorry. No, no, no. <laughs> it, it's, it's funny that you remembered that, though. That, yeah. That's what scientists call the emotionally charged event, yep. something that is surprising or unexpected. Uh, so for your listeners who don't know, she's a brain researcher who had a stroke and lived to tell about it. Uh, and, and she gave a very persuasive presentation that, that has been posted on TED, but uh, the point is, regardless of whether it was TED or any other presentation, uh, she made it emotionally engaging. One, by bringing out a real human brain, so that was a completely unexpected, surprising moment, which all great presentations need. But more than that, I, I spoke to her directly about it, more than that, uh, she said a typical researcher would have spoken about the stroke and what we've learned about strokes. That would have been typical. Instead, she asked herself, where did it take me? What did I learn about myself? Uh, what, what am I really passionate about? And she realized that her passion is not so much teaching people about stroke. It's teaching people about the spiritual journey that she, uh, that she discovered after she had her stroke. That's what connected with her, and that's the message that she gave in this. what became a very popular TED Talk, and Oprah discovered it. I don't think Oprah ever would have discovered it, and I don't think it, never, it would have reached 15 million views uh, if it hadn't been for the fact that she was connecting with people on a much more authentic emotional level, which most people don't do. Most people, as we talked about, stick to the facts, figures, yeah. and data. Well, so um, you've you've kind of hinted at a couple of them, but maybe you could uh, sort of tie it all together for me. I mean, our, our, your, the subtitle of the book is you know nine secrets to the world stops minds. Um, are, are there? Can, can you kind of say, well, here's the outline for what makes a great TED talk? Absolutely. Uh, let's look at it in three parts. And uh, I love what you said earlier. This has nothing. TED is just an example because people can go to TED.com and watch videos and watch great presentations. But these are the techniques that move people anytime you have an idea to sell. So think about that. You are a marketer. You're a small business person. You have an idea. How do you get that across persuasively? Three fundamental elements, what I call unbreakable laws. Your idea and your pitch must be emotional, novel, and memorable. Emotional, novel, and memorable. We've already talked a lot about emotion, storytelling, connecting with people on a heart-to-heart -heart level before you reach their head. Novelty, we've touched on. Some, your idea, in the way it's presented, must be fresh, unexpected, or surprising. And third, and this is important, I'd lo love to get into some very specific techniques, how do we make it memorable? Uh, after all, you can connect with one person, but if that person can't re recall 
uh, your pitch enough to send it up the ladder to another decision maker, then it doesn't really matter either. It has to be memorable. It has to stick. There are some very specific techniques, John, if you'd like to talk about that, yeah, on how to make your idea memorable. Uh, one, we talk about what, what I, I like to call them Twitter-friendly headlines, uh, which is, if what is your one main idea? What is the one key message that you want to get across? And if you can fit it within 140 characters of a Twitter post, even better. Uh, you have to think about that because the brain, and this is what neuroscientists taught me, the brain craves meaning before details. In other words, the way the persuasion works is the brain needs to see the big picture before the details. So when you walked out of the, on your TED Talk, you, you, first, you first said that we need to rethink commitment. And that got people thinking, rethinking commitment, what does that mean? Right. Yeah. So, so in other words, that's your theme. That's the one thing you want to get across. There is a, a line that works very well in persuasion, and then all of your marketers uh, <laughs> uh, listening will, will appreciate this. If you tell somebody, the most important thing you need to know is this, whatever comes next is going to be what's re, what they remember. Right. If you're doing it for an interview, you do a lot of interviews. If I were to tell you, John, the most important thing you need to know is this, you'd write it down. Yep. Yeah, it's uncanny. You know, sometimes human psychology isn't that complicated. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's like a light yeah. switch almost, right? Yeah, Apple does this all the time. Yeah. Apple is brilliant at marketing, and they will frame the product the way they want you to, to deliver that product information. So when Steve Jobs came out in 2008 and introduced the MacBook Air, he said, in a sentence, it's the world's thinnest notebook. If there's one thing I want you to know about this new product, it's the world's thinnest notebook. If you Google that phrase, it came up millions of times in all the headlines yeah. because he told you, and Steve Jobs was brilliant at this, as you know, John, uh, he told you how to frame the story. So I, I like to think about it is I have an idea. What is the one main point of my idea and how am I going to get it across in a short amount, in a short sentence that fits in a Twitter post? Well, and I remember another pretty famous one from Steve Jobs when uh, the iPod was still coming out, and he, you know, instead of competing against the other MP3 players that were out there, he framed it as, we made this for people that don't want to carry around 10,000 CDs. Hmm, um, right. and, I, and I just remember yep. thinking, oh, well, that... That's different than the than the MP3 player I've got in a drawer, <laughs> even though it really wasn't. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly it. So uh, uh, delivering uh, that message in a headline is one of the one of the easiest, one of the best ways of getting your message across. But there's also another very very powerful uh, communication technique, and it's throughout most TED talks actually, the rule of three. Right. Which, which you've marketer. already, which you've actually already yeah. employed, by the way. Yeah, thank you. Uh, yeah, emotional, <laughs> novel, memorable. You're absolutely right. But uh, your marketers would appreciate this because they're already doing this into probably intuitively. Yep. The rule of three simply means that in short-term memory, people can carry about three points of information. It is uncanny how many TED talks I, I've analyzed. I looked at about 500. But I lost count at the number of the TED Talks, the most popular ones, that were broken up into three. They even had three in the title. Many have three in the title. 
Uh, but often they're broken up into three things. Or Sheryl Sandberg gave a very famous TED Talk, uh, the COO of Facebook. She told three stories. Uh, another person told three stories. Uh, Dr. Jill, who we talked about, the brain researcher, divided her uh, her presentation into three. Uh, so three is actually a very, very powerful number. It's powerful in literature. Uh, you know, the three bears, three three musketeers, three little pigs, you know. It's very powerful in literature. It's powerful in business. When you walk into a pitch, have your headline and then three supporting points. Give me three reasons to back your idea, three reasons to buy your product. Don't give me 18. Right. You give me 18, I'm dead. Yeah. Give me three. Yep. So, um, so how do you how do you reconcile that with some of the more the, the other really famous number that I see a lot of talks based on seven? Seven's a beautiful number. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> seven really is a beautiful number. I I think I've read uh, something about seven. It, it's it's like this religious and a magical number across many countries and cultures. So that's yeah. why seven is such an important number. There was a very famous um, well I don't know how famous it was, but but, but there was some research done in in the uh, I think the forties or fifties uh, that that talked about the magical numbers and the magical numbers went up to about uh, for, was from five to seven. That was sort of the magical space, which is why, and the, the, the uh, research was actually for Pacific Bell, um, the, that is the reason why the phone number is only seven digits, because yeah. people realize that once I give you eight things, yeah. you kind of, you, you, you forget everything. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so if you, if you have the bigger topic for the longer talk, you might have seven steps, but each of those steps better have three Three key points, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. If you can at least incorporate the rule of three, because because I, I I don't I have so much more than uh, three techniques to make yeah. you a better speaker. I've got at least nine, and within those nine, there's many others. But I'll break it up to make it easy into three. Okay, an idea can spread if it's emotional, novel, memorable. Let me ask you one of the things that, that I hear a lot from speakers, because, you know, you go see speakers, uh, TED-like type of speakers. Um, I speak at a lot of conferences, and, and so I run into the Seth Godins of the world, and, and people that are out there have been doing that, in my opinion, for a while. And they, they have very gorgeous slides that are very emotional, and uh, they're very very practiced uh, and, and very inspirational. But then there's that workshop where you need to teach five to 50 people how to do something uh do you do you chuck the the ted approach in that environment and and go with bullet points because they you need to leave that slide up there five minutes while they're working on that i mean how do you how do you reconcile that kind of what i would call straight teaching you know versus uh what i might call uh, communicating or inspiring wow that's a, that's a great point and, and there's a way of doing it as well uh the the workshop says you still want to inspire people in a workshop. Okay, let's say it's a two-hour workshop, yep. and you're you're training them on a new piece of software right. or on a new service that happens all the time. Uh, you need to keep them inspired. You need to make things memorable. So there's still no reason why you cannot divide that workshop, just say the total workshop, into you know the the three things we're going to learn today, yeah. and and have those breaks in between. But one thing that I, I learned. Uh, from doing my research is what are called soft breaks. The brain actually does get bored yeah. after approximately 10 minutes to 18 minutes. Depends on what research you see. But, but we're fairly confident in the academic literature that your audience will tune out of your message anywhere from 10 to 18 minutes. 
which is sort of why TED Talks are only about 18 minutes. Yeah. Uh, uh, the point is, what are you going to do to re-engage people uh, in 10 to 18, every 10 to 18 minute increment? What do you do to re-engage people? There's many ways we can do that. We can go to a demonstration or perhaps in a workshop, you can then turn it to the audience and have them do something uh, that, that's a little bit more engaging or thoughtful or have them write or talk to each other in, in some way or answer questions like a Q&A or show video. The point is to break up your presentation every 10 to 18 minutes. Build in what academics call soft breaks. That literally gives the brain a chance to re-engage. Yeah, and, and I think that's the point. You talk about the, the, you know, we get bored. I think we actually get exhausted maybe too is another. I mean, if you're, you have something very emotionally charged and uh, your people are really engaged, I, th I think they almost need, okay, now let's take a break. Let's coast for a minute. Um, there, there is some research uh, at uh, Texas Christian University, and they're looking at what's called cognitive backlog, yeah. uh, which, which simply means that the more information I give you to retain, the the less first of all the less you'll retain, <laughs> yeah. especially if I give it to you in one sitting. Uh, but there reaches a point to where it's like weights, where you carry so many weights you sort of drop everything. Which is why they've discovered instead of like in classes, graduate school classes, instead of dividing uh, having a class meet once for three hours once a week, it's actually much better, and the students score better if it's three times a week for 50 minutes. Do, do um, Obviously, the book, uh, um, depending upon when you're listening to this, is going on sale early March. Um, uh, so obviously, it'll be available wherever books are available. Um, do you also do, um, and I, I probably could find this out on your website, uh, had I done a little better research, but, but do you also work with uh, individuals uh, teaching, training, advising, coaching uh, in, in these types of skills? That's, that's what I do. That's my day job. My writing is what I do because I'm passionate about sharing these ideas and getting them out to a much wider audience than the people who would actually meet with me in person. Uh, but the reason why I have this experience behind me is because I do meet uh, with individuals, typically executives, mm -hmm. uh, and with groups, uh, sales groups and marketing groups as well, uh, within companies who have a product, a new product to pitch, uh, new services, uh, or, or new initiatives. Mm -hmm. And I'm proud of the fact that I work with some of the biggest brands in the world, brands that whose products touch your life every single day. So it's really fascinating for me. And, and the writing is my passion. That's the fun part uh, so I can get this content out to a, a much wider audience. You know, it's interesting as I listen to you talk about marketing departments. Uh, to me, uh, the, the, the tips, the rule of three, telling stories, really engaging people, I think is, is equally as uh, effective or useful in, in marketing copy as it is in presentation. Advertisers have known this. Yeah. Advertisers know this very well. They know very, very well how to connect with people emotionally and how to make things simple and clear. Sometimes we don't, as marketers uh, and also as executives and business owners, we don't necessarily apply some of those well-known advertising techniques to how we pitch ourselves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The uh, you know the 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 young. Vibrant, good-looking people having fun on the picnic, uh, you know, is is in the ad, you know, is how they kind of suck us into, you know, us telling ourselves a story almost. And, and I think oh, it's probably. It, uh, I'm very surprised. Some of the, you know, some terrible presentations are yeah. given by uh, people who you would expect 
would make more of an emotional connection with me, you know, whether they're in advertising or marketing. And, and sometimes you see awful presentations, and then you see these beautiful presentations by people who you would at least expect it from. So, yeah. so I, I think it's across the board. I think everybody, and I do believe this, everyone has plenty of room uh, to improve the way they pitch themselves, their ideas. Communication is constantly evolving, constantly changing. There's some, I learn something new every day. I'm better this week than I was last week, you know, and I'll, I'll learn something uh, in the following weeks, too. So it's constantly evolving. You yeah, always yeah, have to keep working at it. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm glad you brought that last point up. Uh, I have probably, in the last 15 years, given 500 presentations, and I read every book on this subject, including great books like yours, uh, that I can. I go to workshops to learn how to be a better speaker. I go to workshops to learn how to make better slides. I mean, I, I just don't think you can uh, ever really master a skill like this. No, absolutely, and that's why it's fun to watch uh, other great presenters, especially people who have transformed themselves. Uh, if you watch Bill Gates these days, uh, right. I've really started watching Bill Gates. He's a, he's a very different presenter than when he was at Microsoft. Yeah. His presentations are so much more interesting and engaging and visual, and you can find them on YouTube. Yeah. Uh, so people do transform themselves into being much better speakers, I think, because we have to. Like it or not, like I said, we're being compared to these great presentations that you see on TED, on YouTube, and uh, on other platforms. Well, and, and the flip side of that, of course, is you know what a rich repository of examples of you know how to do it better too that that we you know didn't have uh, when we started this uh, ten, twelve, fifteen years ago. So. Well, Carmine, thanks so much for joining me again. Um, I don't think you told people uh, obviously the book can be purchased anywhere, but uh, how would they get a hold of you? They can simply go to my website. If you can remember a good Italian name, Carmine Gallo, uh, you can go to C-A-R-M-I-N-E-G-A-L-L-O.com. And we have a, a website dedicated to the new book, which is simply TalkLikeTed.com. Yeah, awesome. Thanks so much for joining me. Awesome book, awesome subject, and really appreciate your insights. John, thank you. This episode is brought to you by the Yap Media Podcast Network. I'm Hala Taha, CEO of the award-winning digital media empire, Yap Media, and host of Yap Young and Profiting Podcast, a number one entrepreneurship and self-improvement podcast where you can listen, learn, and profit. On Young and Profiting Podcast, I interview the brightest minds in the world, and I turn their wisdom into actionable advice that you can use in your daily life. Each week, we dive into a new topic like the art of side hustles, how to level up your influence and persuasion, and goal setting. I interview A-list guests on Young and Profiting. I've got the best guests, like the world's number one negotiation expert, Chris Voss, Shark, Damon John, serial entrepreneurs, Alex and Layla Hermosi, and even movie stars like Matthew McConaughey. There's absolutely no fluff on my podcast, and that's on purpose. Every episode is jam-packed with advice that's gonna push your life forward. I do my research, I get straight to the point, and I take things really seriously which is why I'm known as the Podcast Princess and how I became one of the top podcasters in the world in less than five years. Young and Profiting Podcast is for all ages. Don't let the name fool you. It's an advanced show. As long as you want to learn and level up, you will be forever young. So join Podcast Royalty and subscribe to Young and Profiting Podcast or Yap, like it's often called by my Yap fam on Apple, Spotify, CastBox, or wherever you listen to your podcasts.